Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. We are, uh, like I said, continuing the notification series, and we're talking about you're invited to drink. And, you know, water is a essential for human life. You already know that. But water makes up an awful lot of our body. In fact, um, water makes up 75% of our brain. It makes up 83% of our lungs, uh, 90% of our blood, 64% of our skin, 31% of our bones, and 79% of our kidneys, muscles, and liver are made up of water. Our bodies are 65% water. It is absolutely essential that you drink water and that you have water coming in to your life. You know, NASA, when they're exploring different planets and they send those like robotic explorers uh, to Mars, they're looking for signs of life. And one of the first things that they are looking for is water. Because if there is water, human life and life could potentially exist on that planet. That's why doctors and nurses and experts tell us that we need to drink lots of water, that we need to keep drinking more and more water. You know, it's a, they reckon that your body can live for around about three to four weeks, maybe a little bit more without food, but without water, the body can only last around about three to four days. And, you know, Jesus understood the significance of water. He understood what it meant in the time that he was on earth and in the time for the people around him. He knew that. He was also part of creation, so he knows that, he, that water is essential for us as humans. So when we look at Jesus' invitation to drink and when he's talking about water, he gets it. He knows water hasn't changed in thousands of years. It's not different. We still need water. And Jesus um, talks a little bit about water in John 7. It's going to come up on the screen. If you haven't got your Bible with you, don't worry. Um, it is going to be on the screen so you can read along. And it says this, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Now, the context of when Jesus says this is really, really important. It says there, on the last and greatest day of the festival, he's, he, what's going on there is it's in the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles. It's the festival or Feast of Tabernacles, and this festival and feast is centered around water. And what would happen is each day, the priests, they would process from a pool of living water. And in this case, where Jesus was, it would have been the pool of Siloam. And they would process with water from this pool and take it into the temple. And there'd be all sorts of joyous celebration and dance. And it was one of the most joyous festivals that there was in the Jewish calendar. And there would be this procession of water. And actually, in order for anybody like you or me to go into the temple, you had to be washed in a pool of living water. And the pool of Siloam was a pool of living water. Living water basically means has it got a source coming in and has it got a source going out? Is it active and flowing? And the pool of Siloam was, was that. So in order for you or me to go into the temple on the, during this feast, we would have to go and be washed in a pool of living water. And in fact, some people, some wealthy people, would have pools of living water in their back garden. And we're like in the time monopolizing the pools and and, and you know, charging people to go and be cleansed in their live, in their living water, so then they could go into the temple and be acceptable. And in the midst of all this, on the last day, what would happen is they wouldn't just do this procession once; they would do it seven times. 
and it was the best day of the festival. So it would have been absolutely rammed with people. People wanting to get a little splash of the water and wanting to see this procession and be a part of it. And in the midst of this, Jesus stands up and in a loud voice goes, if anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. You see, he chooses this moment really carefully because he wants to communicate more than just come to me and drink. You see, what Jesus is saying in this moment is it's not about who has exclusive access. It's not about those that are rich and those that have have got that access to living water. It's not about anything other than coming to him and drinking. You see, he says you don't have to go through all this religious ceremony in order to be acceptable. You just come to me and drink. You see, it was timely for the people in those days. And maybe that invitation to come and drink is timely for you today. Maybe you find yourself thirsty. Maybe you find yourself in need of a drink. We are uh, officially in the Christmas season. Now it is December the 1st. You're allowed to be excited about Christmas. And, you know, if you work in education, probably the motto in your staff room is just get to Christmas. My sister is a, is a deputy head in a primary school. Her motto is, I've just got to get to Christmas. When I get to Christmas, I can relax and have a lie down and sleep for three days before I then actually celebrate Christmas. And maybe you feel that sense of you're gasping for a rest. Maybe some of you feel like you're absolutely worn out. Tis the season to be jolly and to be very ill. Loads of people are ill at the moment. Maybe you feel like you need rest. Maybe you are gasping for some sort of reassurance that you're stressed, that you feel like you're constantly worried, that you need reassurance that God has got it in his hands, that God is in control. Maybe you need reassurance from that. Maybe you're thirsty for comfort this morning and you need God to tell you that it's okay. You need God to be close to you. Maybe you're thirsty for healing. Jesus says, come to me and drink. Come to me and receive refreshment. Come to me and receive rehydration and you know experts say that when you're thirsty it's too late you're already dehydrated and I am um, I want to offer an illustration that's a little bit on the crude side and um, but I am uh, my background is in youth work so I'm sure you'll forgive me for that but sometimes when I am um, when I have a busy day and I go from thing to thing and meeting to meeting and I've got lots to do I'll forget to drink and I won't even notice that I'm thirsty and then I'll go to the toilet. And what happens is, is what comes out of me tells me that I'm dehydrated. And you can do this test later if you want to. (laughs) And if what comes out of you is nice and clear, it means you're really nice and hydrated. If what comes out of you is not so clear, and I won't talk about colours, but what comes out of you isn't so clear, it tells you that you are dehydrated. You see, there are outputs in your body that communicate to you that you have not had enough hydration. And maybe I want to suggest that there could be outputs in our lives that are communicating to us that we are dehydrated. That you might not feel thirsty, you might not feel like you're gasping today, but there may be some outputs that you can recognise, I'm dehydrated here. Maybe you've had an increase in cynicism recently. And maybe you're coming to church today and you're going, oh, yeah, I know how it works. They do this and they go up and they say 75 minutes, bang, 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 bang. And they do a fast song and then they do a slow song and then someone. Like maybe you just know and you're coming and you're being cynical. Maybe you you feel like your emotions are, are quite flat. 
You know, Carrie Newoff talks about low-grade burnout, and he talks about how the functions of life continue, but the joy of life is gone. Maybe that's an output for you. Maybe you're over-emotional in this season and you're turning on the TV and you're crying a goggle box all the time or you're crying a I'm a celebrity or adverts, things that wouldn't normally make you cry, but you are and you're just crying. Or maybe, maybe you're losing it in rage over stupid stuff. Maybe you're finding yourself shouting in your car more and more often. Maybe you're finding yourself losing it because the dishwasher hasn't been stacked properly. That's what happens in my house anyway. Maybe there are outputs in your life that are communicating to you that you're in need of a drink. And what Jesus offers us in this is he offers us hydration. He invites us to come and be rehydrated. He invites us to come and drink with him. And it's not that it's exclusive access, it's accessible to all. That means if you're not a Christian here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, you can come and drink, you can come and receive refreshments from Jesus today. It's not about all the religious ceremony, it's about coming and responding to the invitation that Jesus says, come and drink. But that's not all that Jesus says. He goes on to say some more. He says, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. You see, Leon said a few weeks ago that Jesus doesn't invite us to a destination, but he invites us to a transformation. And what Jesus is saying here is come to me and drink, and then rivers of living water will flow out of you. Remember, living water is connected to a source and has life in it, and is flowing, and is as, as a constant flow. And you, you see, what Jesus is saying is, come to me, and this refreshment and this rehydration is a constant source. It's a constant flow. But how on earth does that happen? Well, the book of John, funnily enough, is written by a guy called John. See, the Bible's not just one book, it's loads of books put together. And this is John's account of the life of Jesus. And when John wrote the book of John, he's writing it in a world where Jesus has already died, risen again, and gone up to heaven. And we live in a world where Jesus has already died, risen again, and gone up to heaven. And John's writing this, but this story, this moment, is set in a world where Jesus hasn't died on a cross, risen again, and gone up to heaven. So he wants to communicate something really clearly to us And you see, Scripture, the Bible, isn't necessarily all of it, isn't all written to us, but it is written for us. It's written for us to understand, and that's a helpful sentence to remember, particularly when you're looking at things like the Old Testament and stuff pre-Jesus. It's not written to us, but it is written for us. And what, what happens here is John, the writer, he almost breaks the fourth wall to use an acting term. He turns to the audience, which is us, the readers, and he wants to make something abundantly clear to us. He wants to make sure that we don't miss the point. And he says this, it says, by this, he meant, this is John writing, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. That means died uh, risen again and gone to heaven. You see, John is saying to us that the flow of living water is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit that is given that comes later in the the book of Acts, if you want to read on um, in your own time, but not today, you need to keep listening to me. Um, But John is totally making my job easier for me here. He's taking what is said in the Bible and really explaining it. That's whoever's up here, that's their job to do. 
And John is making that uh, job loads and loads easier. He's saying we need to be connected to the source of living water, and that source is the flow of the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to do is explore four different points of how we can be connected to living water. And the bottom line of what I want you to remember today is this, is that water keeps us alive, but living water helps us thrive. You see, water in its physicality keeps us alive. We need to keep drinking water if we want to live. But if we want to thrive, we need the flow of living water in our life. So I want to suggest four different points. They all begin with P, but it doesn't link to my earlier points uh, that you've all forgiven me for. Um, But the first P, the first point is position. Where are you positioning yourself? You know, most towns and cities, they grow and they develop around a source of water. Most towns and cities have some sort of river or, or something there either by the sea. Most of them have a source of water. And you know, the, the rivalry between the city of Liverpool and the city of Manchester isn't born in football. It's born in the Industrial Revolution when the city of Manchester were wanting to source raw materials for their, their industry to grow. And they were having to go through the port of Liverpool and it was proven too expensive for them. And what they did is they chose, in order to save money in the long run, they chose to build the Manchester Ship Canal. And at the time it was talked about bringing the sea to Manchester because they recognised they needed to be connected to a source of water, a source of living water. And, you know, for us to thrive, we've got to continually position ourselves in the flow of God's Spirit, in the flow of what God is doing. And Paul, who's a bit of a legend in the Bible, who's post-Jesus, he writes a letter to the Christians in Rome about this, and he says this in Romans 8. He says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set or positioned on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set and positioned on what the Spirit desires. You see, if we want to thrive, we need to position our minds on what the Spirit desires, on what the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through us. And you know, um, what's interesting about living water you know, the, the River Stour just over there is, is a source of living water, but don't drink it, you'll die. Um, but if you, were to, if you were to go and get a bucket and draw um, some water from a source of living water, as soon as that bucket is in the air and has water in it disconnected from the river, that water is no longer living water because it's no longer, dis- it's no longer connected to the source. You see, it can only be living water when it's connected. But you see, the water is fresh. And in the bucket, you know, it's fresh water. And it will be fresh for a little while. But after a while, the water will eventually go stagnant. And you see, I think that can happen for us. Is that we come and we get a drink and we take a drink from Jesus and we feel fresh and we go away from here fresh. But when we're not connected to the source, that goes stagnant. And maybe you feel a little bit stagnant. You see, the flow of living water isn't just meant to just flow to us so that we can be refreshed. It's to flow to us, in us, and then through us so that we can be a source of refreshment to others. But it's about being positioned. You know, um, a few years ago, I had the privilege to go to Uganda with a charity called Tear Fund. And uh, we did lots of different things, and I spent, uh, we spent a night out in the Ugandan jungle in a really rural and poor village, uh, just about three hours outside of Kampala. 
and we spent the night there and the next morning the family that we were staying with invited us to go and help them collect some water for the day and we walked for about 15 to 20 minutes with these empty uh, kind of water containers and we got to where the source of water was and it shocked me because it looked like this and I stood there and watched Junior, their youngest son, go and fill up every water container and begin to take drinks from those water containers from that water source. And Jasper, my friend who was with me, he turned to me and said, I wouldn't let my kids swim in that, let alone let them drink it. And I stood there and I was like, how can we live in a world where this is possible? I was literally an hour before this handed a bottle of Coca-Cola. How can we live in a world where it's easier to get Coca-Cola than it is to get fresh water? And a few days later, we went to another village and spent some time with them. And there was something different about this village. The, the vibe was, was a bit more positive and a bit happier. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And then they showed us around the village. And then I realized what it was. And it was this. There was a source of living water in the village because a tap had been kind of installed for them. And it changed the dynamic of the village. When you are plugged into a source of living water, it changes the dynamics of everything. When you position yourself in the flow of God's spirit, it changes everything. You see, for me, following Jesus is less like a road and more like a river. It's almost like getting yourself in the flow of the river rather than just walking down a set road. It's about following the flow of God's spirit and where he's leading you. That's why, you know, daily and weekly and regularly, we need to be realigning ourselves with the flow of God's spirit in our lives. We need to find ways to do that. And, you know, this time of year, often people, young people will say to me, Andy, I just don't feel as connected to God as I did when I was in the summer. And the thing is, is in the summer, we take our young people to Limitless Festival, which is a huge Christian youth festival, and we're spending five to six hours a day in the presence of God. Of course, we feel closer to God when we're spending five or six hours. Now, I'm not saying that you need to spend five or six hours in order to position yourself in the flow of God's Spirit. Maybe maybe God wants to put that on your life, um, but go with it. But, you know... When we position ourselves to be in the flow of God's spirit, we feel more connected to God and we can have rivers of living water flowing through us. The second point is posture. What is our posture when it comes to the flow of living water? If you weren't here last week and you haven't caught up with podcast or YouTube, please do go back and listen to Steve's talk from last week. He was incredible. Um, And he talked about how we can have a posture of faith and God really responds to our posture and are you postured are you open to the flow of living water in your life are you postured to be open to the flow of what God wants to say and do in and through you because you know Jesus says this in Revelation if we can skip to that it says here I am I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door and postures themselves towards me I will come in and eat with that person and they with me you see when we posture ourselves to be open to the flow of living water we can be connected to that source and maybe maybe there's some circumstances that you've closed off your posture that you've gone God's not going to move in that so you've closed off 
Maybe there's some relationships that you want to hold on to or that there's, there's disagreements and you're holding on to, to your offense and actually you need to open your posture and let God flow through it. Maybe there's some areas of your life, some context. Maybe, maybe it's your work and you've, you've never opened your posture to the flow of God in, in your workplace and maybe you want to do that today and posture yourself you know, we have this thing on our staff team. That I'm not sure where it came from, but we talk about opening our palms when we're having a difficult conversation. And Leon, who's our lead pastor, he also line manages me, uh, so you can pray for him. But when we have to have a difficult conversation or he needs to give me some feedback, I try and open my palms on my, on, of my hand on my lap. And I just try and be open because it's really hard to be defensive when your posture is open. Try it. Next time you're in an argument, open your palms and see how difficult it is to be defensive. When your posture is open, it allows God's spirit to flow through you. The third point is about planting. How are you planting yourself? What are you planting within you? You know, I grew up in church. I spent my whole life around church and you know, I kind of drifted from it in my early teens and didn't, wasn't really interested. And then around the age of 15, made the decision I was going to follow Jesus for myself. And I'd heard lots of talk about the Holy Spirit. And it, it freaked me out, if I'm honest, because like people used to talk about it like the Holy Ghost. And it sounded like something from Scooby-Doo to me. And it just, it freaked me out a little bit and scared me. And, and I now know that it's absolutely nothing to be scared of. And if you feel frightened about the Holy Spirit, let me assure you that, that, that it, there's nothing to be scared of. And um, around the age of 17 and 18, um, a lot of people were saying, Andy, have you been prayed for to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And I was like, no, don't want to. And then I went to uh, be on team at Spring Harvest, which is like a family uh, Christian conference. And they, I was on their kids team. And they said, tonight we're going to pray for the kids to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit and you've never had someone do that with you, then you need to do that now before we pray for the kids. And I was like, great, I've got no option. And I kind of like sheepishly went up to the venue leaders and said, look, I don't think I've ever been prayed for for this. Could you, could you pray for me? And so I kind of stood there and the leaders did their thing. And if you've been around church, you know what did their thing means. And they absolutely went for it. And do you know what? I just stood there. I felt nice. That was it. Nothing magical. It wasn't like angels were doing the river dance in front of me. Like, I just felt nice. And for me, it was about planting the Holy Spirit within me. And the Bible says this in Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit, that when we plant the Spirit in us, this is what comes out of our life. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. You see, when we plant the Holy Spirit in us, this is what should grow out of us. And it's not nine different fruits that we go around trying to be more loving and try really hard at that and try and be more patient and be more good and be more self-controlled. It's not about that. You see, it's, it's not nine different fruits, but it's a nine-part fruit. That all of it grows together. It's almost like a tangerine with eight, nine different segments. And it, each segment grows within the fruit. And it's about planting that within you and allowing the Holy Spirit to begin to produce that in your life. And you know, a few months after 
after being at Spring Harvest and getting that prayer, I was round at my mate's house just hanging out, and my mate's mum said to me, Andy, do you know what? There's been something different about you since you've come back from Spring Harvest. And I was like, go on. And she said, it's almost like you've gone to a new level in your relationship with Jesus. And I was like, well, that's obvious. It's because the Holy Spirit. I've planted the Holy Spirit, and now there's fruit growing in my life. See, when we plant it, it can grow within us. The final point as the band come up to join me is purity. And this is a little bit more difficult to look at. And you know, if you're not a Christian here, I want to let you off the hook for a moment and say, if you're not trying to live for Jesus, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian or call yourself a follower of Jesus, you can kick back. I'm not talking to you for the next couple of minutes. But if you are living for Jesus, if you are calling yourself a Christian and trying to follow Jesus, if we do not live in purity, it will stifle the flow of the Holy Spirit in our life. It will stifle the flow of living water in our lives. And when I talk about purity, I'm talking basically about living in a way that honours God. Let me show you. The guy who wrote who wrote this account of the story that we're looking at called John. He wrote another book in the Bible and it's creatively called One John. And he said this, this is the message we've heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But, If we walk in the light and as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You see, if we claim to be people in the light, but yet have shades of darkness to our life, it stifles the flow of living water. And you know, that sin doesn't disqualify you from God using you. Absolutely not. Just read the Bible and see there are tons of people that mess up and get it wrong. But God still uses them. But what they need to do is they come to a thing that the Bible calls repentance. And it basically means to stop, turn around and go in the opposite direction. That maybe... Your life, you've been living in a, in a direction that you know is a way that doesn't honour God and you've been doing things and saying things and watching things and making decisions that you know is in, not in the direction that God wants your life to go. And when you come to a moment of repentance, you stop, turn around and go in the opposite direction, away from it. And unless we do that, it will stifle the flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives how do I know that because I've seen it evidenced in my own life when I've been making decisions that I shouldn't be I've, no, I've noticed that the, the rivers of living water aren't flowing they're trickling I know that you know years ago on my gap year myself and the rest of my team we got into some stuff that we shouldn't get into and we were there was bitterness and unforgiveness on our team we were going out and drinking way too much and when I look back and I reflect I think God stopped blessing our year. He didn't turn his back on us, but I think God, the flow of the Holy Spirit wasn't flowing in what we were doing. And I had to come and repent of it and turn and go the opposite direction. And 
I want to give all of us a, an opportunity to respond to what God might be saying to us. And the question we're asking really as we come to the end of this talk is what is God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? And it might be on any one of these four points. It might be on something else. But we've got different stations around the room that if you've been with us the last few weeks, we've been doing. And you know, at the back, we've got a cross. If you know that you need to repent, if you know that you need a moment that you need to stop and turn away, then you can bring it to the cross because it's on the cross that Jesus dealt with our sin, that he dealt with our shame, that he dealt with the stuff that holds us back and stifles the flow of living water in our life. We bring it to the cross and we leave it and we turn and we go the other way and we leave that life behind. Maybe you want to go to the cross or maybe you want to come and take communion because Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. He invites us to communion that marks what Jesus did on the cross and through the resurrection. If you need satisfaction, if you find that you're gasping, if you're aware that there's outputs in your life that you need to be rehydrated, then I want to invite you to come and take communion. And all the bread is gluten-free bread, by the way. We're also going to have our candle station open. And if you want to posture yourself, there's areas that you want to posture yourself to be open to the flow of God's Spirit in that circumstance, in that setting, in that relationship, whatever it is, I want to invite you to go and light a candle. And we're going to sing, but I think the most significant thing that I, I think could happen this morning is what I think we're going to do across the front. And that's if you've never been prayed for to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to invite you as we, as we begin to respond to come and stand at the front. And one of our prayer team would love to come and pray for you. They're not going to do anything odd. They're going to come and put their hand on your shoulder and they're going to pray, Holy Spirit, would you come? And you're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and invite those living, rivers of living water to begin to flow in your life. Or maybe it's been a long time since you felt the rivers of living water flowing in your life and you know you need to reposition yourself in the flow of God's Spirit, I want to invite you to come and stand at the front as well. And hey, none of this is about judgment. Okay, we've sung about God's love, about I am who, I, who you say I am, all of that. We are not looking around and judging each other and going, oh, that person went to that station. This is about what is God saying to you and what are you going to do about it? So church, I want to invite you to stand. And I'm going to pray and then we're going to respond as we, once I've said amen, we can begin to respond whenever you're ready. Father God, I pray that you would come and that you would move by the power of your spirit. God, I pray that almost like you would lift the roof off this building and just rivers of living water of your spirit would just flow into this place. God, that we might be refreshed, that we might be rehydrated. God, that we might be repositioned and postured in a way that rivers of living water might flow through our lives. God, I thank you that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And you do not condemn us, but you call us to repent and to walk in the way that you're calling us to do that. So God, I pray as people respond, as we respond to what we feel you're saying to us, God, I pray that you would speak, that you would move, that you would do what you need to do in this place. In your mighty name, amen.